Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's back. The Fallout Bar is back because the Paddy Power World Darts Championship has resumed from its post-Christmas break over at the Alexandra Palace. I uh, hope you all had a wonderful Christmas, however you spent it over the last couple of days. Got to meet up with friends and family, eat too much, drink too much, which is a standard Cam McFarlane trick, and enjoyed a few days off without the darting action. But it is back, we're back, and I've brought Cam McFarlane back. Yeah, not much changes, does it? It's, it's, it's me and you. It's before Christmas, after Christmas... I'm not sure how I'm catching Jade from you on drinking too much, but that's a that's a conversation for another time. Um, I know what you mean, mate. You keep going on about. I'm a good boy now. Oh, someone's got a bird. No, I drive. There's a difference in that. <laughs> <out here. laughs> that that car out front stops me from drinking. Not the woman. She drinks more than I do. I think I drink not enough to get in it. I'll be honest. <laughs> Leave my car alone, you. <laughs> Good evening, oh, everybody. Very hard on the three or six or whatever it is. Two or seven. <laughs> has new wheel trims and new car mats for Christmas. Thank you very much. The BA. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure it's going to pass its MOT next week, but we move. <laughs> we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Correct. Uh, Graham, Zinni says half de- half decent session tonight. I think Humphreys will lay down a marker tomorrow night. We'll talk about tomorrow once we reviewed all of the action from today's play. Uh, Matthew's in says, even guys, Els is has never been as rough in my life. Well, hopefully, uh, Cam won't waffle on too long and you'll be able to get back to your leftover Christmas dinners. I'll do my best. No, you won't. <laughs> you absolutely won't. That's the biggest lie we've ever told. Once again, levelling that accusation at me from you is, is, is brave again from your part. I don't know what you mean. Anyway, uh, we swiftly move on and we talk about tonight uh, today's action. Six matches in total as we stepped it up to the third round. An increase in length of match. First of four sets 
for each player to book their spot in the last 16. And for once, here we go, look. Let me just thought about with the overlay. <laughs> we, have some, we have some results. Oh, Look at beautiful. that. Beautiful. If, uh, we... only, if only you'd preferred that and it actually was slightly smoother than that, that would have been wonderful. Uh, well, don't ask for too much, mate. It's still the 27th of December. Come on now. <laughs> uh, Graham says, what fun will Williams get? Yes, yeah, Scott Williams uh, winning multiple things this afternoon, according to his post-match speech uh, on stage. Uh, Shaggy, as he is affectionately known, you somehow muted yourself. Um, uh, I muted myself on purpose because it was absolutely hammering it down for a second here, <laughs> and you know how it sounds when it rains, in it up the Manchester. Uh, but he did defeat Martin Schindler 4 3 in a hotly contested match, one of the games of the tournament, I think, despite yeah. the averages. It was back and forward, everybody in the chat. I'm not sure if it was just because we haven't had darts for three days, or if we genuinely got caught up in the fact that it was a bloody brilliant match. It's a brilliant game. It was really, really good. Um, very hard work to try and do any of my day job today, while, while, especially while this game was going on. Because it was just back and forth. It was brilliant. Shindy obviously went went quickly out into a 2-0 lead and Scott looked like he was struggling and then just came back, came back firing himself. But it was just, it felt like every other leg, it was, well, not even every other, almost every leg. That, there was a 180s flying in, there were big jackouts going. And I think the 93 or four times on the bounce at one point, going the same way every time, so the ball going the treble 50, uh, the double 15 route every time as well, which is not always always the way that that we see it done. And see, but obviously, when you hit that first treble 20, unless you're planning on splitting it, it's always the way to go. So it was just a really good game, and yeah, Scott got there in the end, got over the line, and then. It was, it was a fun interview afterwards, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I've counted 24 legs, but I might have missed a set. And we had 23 180s. Maybe it was 27 legs. Uh, but what a game it was in that regard. The stats are pretty much level through most of it. 31 ton pluses each, 17 to 16 ton 40s, 10 and 13 uh, 180s. They were even pretty level in the in the finishing stats. Uh, two ton pluses each, including a whopper for each. 152 for Scott Williams, a 161. For Martin Schindler, uh, Scott finishing 14 of 33 on... Um, 28 legs, by the way. 28 legs. Live dance. You weren't far off. It was quick, wasn't it? Uh, 14 of 33, 42%, 38% on the outer ring for Martin Schindler, which ultimately proved to be... Well, not even a difference, is it? To be honest, they both hit, they both won the same number of legs. And that is yeah. a beauty set play. Uh However, Scott Williams does progress. A couple of controversial comments afterwards. We do have to address those. He is a bit of a character after all. Um, but how long until that catches up with him a little bit? Uh, yeah, he's got to be a little bit careful with it. Um, it sounded like he'd been practising a little bit today as well. Um, which On which... first as well. Could you imagine if he was on last? Yeah, <laughs> if he'd been, he played in that sixth game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure he got there. Um, so, yeah, he, he probably just got a little bit carried away in the moment. Bear in mind, he'd just come back from two sets to nil down to to win in the first extra time legs we've seen of the tournament so far. Um, and is it the second? 
Have we seen some already? Sure, we had one earlier. So I'm sure someone in the chat will correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, it's the first one I can remember anyway. So yeah, it's Olam Mansell went to all the way. That was six five in the fifth. Was it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So second one then. Um, well, either way, I mean, it's <laughs> to then get a microphone shoved straight in your face after the elation of that. It's not easy to give a. A good interview at that point so look it's we've heard we've heard a lot worse at times it's it's not great but sort of just let him off and move on for me i, I expect a dra fine you can't go provoke well yeah he's going to get in the manner that he did or whatever you associate with and I don't expect the German fans present and those that have seen it on social media or watch it live to forget anytime soon, given there are six Euro tours in Germany next year. That might prove to be a bit of an issue. Uh, yeah, I don't see it being an issue for him the rest of this tournament, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, it no, might no, an, not in London. It might be an issue for what we see in the crowd from now, from this point on when he's playing. Um, but, but yeah, like I say, it... He's he's probably gonna gonna suffer a little bit for it as he goes forward. But then again, there were there were plenty of people replying to his apologies, saying saying that they were German and that he had nothing to apologise for. So it's it's always one of them. That it's going to split opinion between people. Some will just take it as it is what it is, and it's just a bit. He's just having a bit of fun with the crowd afterwards, and so and some will obviously take offence at it. And that's just the world that we live in. But I mean. Yeah, it was silly from him in a in a tough situation to give an interview and just move on and don't make too much out of it, I think. Indeed. Scott Williams' full interview is available on our YouTube channel. We don't have a clip of that one to play for you, although we do have four uh, from today's action to play for you. They'll be coming up shortly when we talk about various other games. Uh, a word on Martin Schindler before we do move on. Uh, German number two as it stands, but arguably the most impressive German on tour this year. Uh, will be kicking himself a little bit for letting that slip from 2-0 up. Scott Williams wasn't really anywhere in that game at 2-0. Uh, the wall more than capable to have come back from not having a tour card a couple of years ago to, to launch himself back to where he is now, 26 seed coming into this one. We're going to have the opportunity to build on that again next year. Um, that'll be a disappointment for... German darts, given the result that follows shortly as well, and given just how strong Schindler's been this year. Yeah, I think so. I think the real the real moment in it, more than anything, was after he rattled through the fifth set to go 3-2 up, even after Williams' comeback, and then went 1-0 up in the sixth as well. From there, it was looking like he's won four, four legs on the bounce at that point. You're thinking, wrap it up here. I think it's took a bit too much out of Scott getting himself back into the game. And go and get it done, but then he goes and loses the next sort of three legs on the bounce. But he breaks again in the decider as well, um, and just couldn't manage to get it done. And unfortunately for him, that's that's the end of his tournament. But again, he's not done a massive amount wrong, has he? I mean, I think as much as anything, it's it's credit to Scott for the comeback as much as it's Shindy's let it go. Yeah, I mean, if you'd offered him 95 average, 13 180s, and just shy of 40% on the doubles before he set foot out there today, he probably would have taken it. However, a couple of crucial misses at key times, and Scott Williams is the man 
that will move into the last 16. Biggest point with Scott for me is, do we think last year or the year before, even when he was playing well, does he win that game? Or is he a more, as much as, right, as much as he contradicted whether he's a more mature player in the interview afterwards, but is he a more mature player on stage now and can, can actually hold himself together in those big moments and not get himself too high or too low and, and get the, these sorts of games up? I'm not sure, you know. It's a good question, but obviously the, the thing that Scott did address in his post-match press conference, nailed it, He's nailed it. He's got it now. He's been practicing for the last It's not even New Year, New Me. It's just post-Christmas. Is that he just hasn't played enough darts. When he got his tour card confirmed after last year's World Championships, it was an eight-week gap before he played again. Then they've had gaps throughout the rest of the season, and and that's what he's been missing. So I'm not sure he is a more mature player because we haven't seen him as much this year. We haven't seen him produce the level that perhaps we were – seeing from him last year maybe we have maybe it's just because he is a tour card holder now that we're not noticing scott williams go and do crazy things he's not got the chance to play uh for england anymore because he's got a tour card he's not in the super series which is televised constantly so we're not seeing him do maverick things down there we're literally seeing him on a pro tour stream and his results in that and let's be honest he's gone from last year being right up there in terms of one of the best players in the world without a tour card holder and that bringing a lot of attention to a small fish in a big pond when you step up to the tour the way that he has when you've got the likes of michael smith michael van gerwin and and the top eight top 16 top 20 boys in the world you are just another number until you go and break that rank so it's a bit hard to judge scott i don't think we've seen enough of him on tv really this year to truly know how much more mature of a dark player Scott Williams is. Um, he's certainly not lost any of his personality, which I guess is a, is a different matter, but no, I, I, I don't know. Maybe last year he doesn't start 2-0 down. He comes out absolutely firing because he's so confident. This year he's got something to prove. He has to do it the hard way. So look, hindsight's a wonderful thing. You, you, you never really know. Uh, evening, lads. How come Scott was not using his usual darts? Good question, because I didn't even notice that. I thought he was. He was, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. The only one I had questions on was Schindler's darts, and I told Cam they were his normal darts, which, fun fact, used to be Benito van der Pass's style of darts. They actually thought they were completely different. Certainly the flight and stem setup on Shindy's were different to what I remember him using. Maybe the barrels are the same, but I thought they looked like the tapered off a little bit more than they used to. I think uh, Rasma changed flights potentially this evening as well. Uh, anyway, on to the next game, and it was Dave Chisnell against Gabriel Clemens, a result that... I can't remember if you said I got this one right, but actually, before the game today, I did not fancy this at all. The more and more I questioned and had a look at Dave Chisnell's performance in round two... Uh, pre-match, I was I was fancying a Gabriel Clemens win here. I thought he was solid enough. Uh, but Dave Chisnell just about doing the job once again. Look, only four maximums in five sets um, for Chizzy. 95 average, 13 from 26 on the outer ring, though. That's a staggering finishing performance from Dave Chisnell, 50% that gets him over the line against Gabriel Clemens. Yeah. Um, you didn't get the correct score, but you did have Chizzy winning it. I, I had Gabe winning it. I think we were both in agreement earlier on today that, that Gabe was going to win this one, um, rather than when we quickly rattled through the predictions as a last-minute afterthought um, with our last one before before Christmas. Um, 
yeah, I just thought, I just thought this was all about Gabe didn't really show up, to be fair, in this um, until it was far too late and threw in one good set. But that was that was it, really, and probably makes his stats look a little bit better than they were, to be fair. Um, not very good on the outer ring. And like I say, Chizzy's throw looked absolutely bobbins for most of this game. And, and I know it's not it's not a pretty one anyway, but it, I think that that break at 3-1 when Clemens had just put in his good set of, of the game saved Chizzy massively because his action had gone to pot completely at that point. He he was awful in that set and he looked like he'd just lost it, the throw completely, but he couldn't get anywhere near a treble. And having the break there, I think there's no break there and they've got two more sets ahead of him. It could well have been 3-3 in a very different game, but just came at the wrong time for Gabe and the right time for Chizzy and he came back out and actually played really like really solidly in the final set to be fair um, just to get it get it wrapped up he, he, that was probably his best set of the match uh, John says he just tweaked a few things in a dart that was regarding the Scott Williams dart John obviously a star ah, right. of Scott um, it's not very often I'm going to accuse Dave Chisnell of overthinking anything or just thinking full stop. But it certainly seems <laughs> to be getting to him a little bit this year. I think he's very conscious about his TV form this year. He said that in a couple of interviews he's given already and delivering a performance. His form this year has been right up there with some of the best in the world. You look at Euro Tours and, and Pro Tours. Dave Chisnell has been magnificent at times this year. Um the concern, I guess, is producing it here. He still hasn't got a, won that elusive first TV major title. Was talked up a little bit coming into this. There were certainly people favouring a, a Dave Chisnor not to go and win it. He's not outright going them. But actually, the absence of some of the top 16 players and their form dropping off, Dirk van Dijvenbode, Danny Nopper, Johnny Clayton, Joe Cullen, Chris Dobie, all not having as good a year as they had last year. Dobie, since the Masters, will put that caveat in there and, and maybe some of the Premier League. Um, there was a chance there for Dave to go and chuck his hand up for that final Premier League spot and, and barge his way back in to that big time. But that certainly seems to be weighing on his shoulders right now. I'm not sure how much it is that, like say that, whether it's that Premier League spot or whether it's just just the fact that the more and more that the weight goes on for that big title, it, every time you go out there, it's a little bit heavier on the shoulders. But, yeah, it's not been. It's just, I don't know. It, I feel like we're criticising here when he's he's comfortably won four one, but it didn't look good, and it sort of felt like he muddled his way through it a little bit. And yeah, he's, he's, there's been opportunities this year for him to to go and do it, like you say. And until Luke went on his run for the last the last few tournaments. It felt wide open. It felt like there were opportunities to go and do it. And he's just, he's not done it again. And he, he's alluded to himself, to it himself earlier on in the tournament that he's just going to keep going and going until he finally wins that one. But it shows that he's thinking about it and it shows that it is, it is weighing on his mind. And like you say, when you're not just relaxing and just throwing your natural game, it makes that, it makes this game a hell of a lot harder than it is the rest of the time. Yeah. I think there's always going to be those questions over Dave, isn't there, anyway, just because of the action and the history he's got in those finals. Clemens 
as you said, a little bit disappointed. Didn't quite get going until it was a little bit too late in this one. But uh, Chizzy, Chizzy Rascal, whatever you want to call him, the Yellow Peril as the old <laughs> Sky uh, Dizzy Rascal montage interview load up VT preview thing used to say, uh, progresses to uh, the last 16. And this is him in his post-match press conference. I'll, I'll, I'll go on, I'll go on, I'll watch it or tell somewhere. That'll be a good game, that'll, because Wickham's playing very well. I was surprised he played so well against Nathan, but Nathan was poor. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just go to that game, Not, not nothing after. But, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind you talk about me having bad runs, it don't mind. It's, I've always said it, every time it's different, and it's always different. Every game is different, it's all on the day. And like I said, I, I, I play bad, bad TV, but, I, but I've, I've like pulled it back on, on my floor and my, my European tournaments. But I'm, ve I'm very happy that I, I had a good two, two games at the Minehead, play chance, and that, that, that gave me a lot of confidence. Again, very aware of his TV form at the moment. Two good games in Minehead, giving him lots of confidence. But yet to see that really on the Ali Paddy stage, to, despite, look, I think for most players, if you said 95 average, 50% on the doubles, that's tough to beat. That's a, that's a solid workman performance. It's going to win you a lot of games up on that stage. We, perhaps we have been a little bit harsh on Chisnell there, but it's only because we know the level that Chizzy yeah. is capable of. Uh, the afternoon session was rounded out uh, by a... Just a quick one, just before we do that, just because I, before I forget about this question in the chat, because I just need to ask on it. Um, Kenneth Gamewell in the chat saying, much love from the United States. Is that Kenneth Gamewell of my Philadelphia Eagles? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Please, please confirm as to whether it is or not. Um, there's, there's no way an NFL player is watching our stream. I, I wouldn't have thought so, but he, is from, he has said from the United States as well. So so possibly, like, you never know. So I just had to ask that question. You reckon, do, do we think Luke can, Luke Littler can win the championship? If he carries on playing like he is, and we'll come on to him shortly yeah. when when we get to that, then, then absolutely he's got a chance. Whether he can hold it together at 16 years old, we're... He will, we will see, but I mean, he's playing as well as anyone right now. He's certainly right up there. Look, look we're going to talk about him in one game's time. First of all, we do have to round out the afternoon session. That was Rob Cross against Jeffrey de Graff. A very, very good performance from Rob Cross this one, actually. I possibly understated this while I was watching it earlier on. Uh, 101.32 average from Voltage, a uh, 4-2 win over Jeffrey de Graff, the former Dutchman now representing uh, Sweden via the Nordic and Baltic Tour. Um, this was so good from Rob Cross, in fact, that his two best sets were the sets that Jeffrey de Graff won. That's how good a performance this has been from Rob yeah. Cross. De Graff has still pinched those two sets and Rob Cross has still gone on to win this match. Uh, I thought he looked brilliant. He did. Really, really good here. Solid scoring, just he never really looked in trouble. And like you say, how he's lost those two sets also speaks to how well Jeffrey played as well. I thought he actually played really well. He was a little bit inconsistent early on, which probably hurt him a little bit. Um, so he's getting he needs he still gave himself opportunities in the first set despite being being quite a way off it at that point. 
Um, but then once he loses that and then gets rattled through the second set where Cross played really well and sort of stepped it up from there, it, I thought it was really, really impressive from Rob Cross to make it look as easy as he did, despite maybe a little wobble in in set five. Where, uh, so, yeah, set five where he thought he should be wrapping it up 4-1 at this point. Um, a small wobble at that point. Well, I say he had a wobble. He didn't really have a wobble, but I don't... He just missed a couple of opportunities on on the outer ring, but like I say, Jeffrey Jeffrey played really well and scored really well in that set as well. And Rob Cross is is dangerous for anyone, isn't he? He's been one that's sort of gone under the radar this year. He has won multiple times on the World Series. He's been and won a European Tour event. It felt like him and Luke. Humphreys were playing each other every other week in a final somewhere, some way. They were just on course at that point throughout the middle part of the year when all the top boys are off travelling and exploring. Those two were going about their business pretty nicely. And he's in a solid, solid position right now. That's a very good win against Jeffrey de Graff, who got better as the game went on. I think he's had a brilliant tournament. If you told me de Graff was going to make the third round after failing to get out of both Group A and B at the Moda Super Series a couple of weeks ago, in which Steve West and Ben Rob were there, who represented tough opposition, but not as good as opposition as you're going to see in, in rounds two and, and round three at the World Championships. You might get one of those as a, as a pro tour. Well, not even as a pro tour, because he went in as an international qualifier. So you expect better quality from a pro tour player. You then expect a tough run from your seed as well. If you told me he was going to go this far and play as well as he has, I'd have been very surprised. But actually, he's he's shown what he can do up there, and I would not back against him going and getting a tour card again next year. No, definitely not. Like you say, he is someone that has clearly got the level to to go and do it, and producing it on the stage shows that he can he can do it anywhere. If he can if he can do it up there, he's certainly got the game for it. And like you say. He's had a he's had a really good run here in terms of in terms of what he what he's done and I think so he's beating beating Jose, beating Richie Eddowes. That's not too easy games to start him off. Um sort of tough games, people with a lot of experience up there. And then to go and give Rob Cross the game he did without particularly getting too close to him, it it bodes well for him. It does bode well for him indeed. As a Rob Cross, could a second World Championship be on the cards for Voltage 4-2 win in this one for him. Solid performance, a much needed step up from his round two performance, by the way. Wasn't great in that one at all, uh, but he progresses, looks pretty solid. Uh, I'm not sure who he plays next because it's not up yet. Let me just go to that one. The winner of Johnny Clayton and Christopher Atarski after that performance today, you should be fancying that one. Yeah, absolutely fancying that one. Um, I'm, I'm not backing him against him in that. I don't even know who he's playing yet, and I'm still not backing him against him, whichever way he goes. Indeed. Uh, one final question. I hate conversations about the travelling circus, but he's one of the seven nailed on right now, isn't he? You absolutely love a question about the travelling circus. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, of course he's. In a year when everyone else has struggled to to put their hand up assertively, Rob Cross, after winning two World Series events, a European Tour event, is, is 
into the fourth round of the World Championship. I think he had a decent match play as well from memory. Yeah, yeah. I don't see I don't see how you don't have him in anyway. I mean, the guy is he's absolutely class and he's been playing at a level above, above anyone else for other than probably Luke for, for a little while now. Um, yeah, he's, he's got to be in there. But then again, were we not having this discussion last year that does he want to do it? Will he go and do it? <laughs> Was it not Scott Williams that told us? His mentality is much, is much changed. We had uh, his manager, Rab, uh, at the Live Lounge Live, and he's like, yeah, he's going this year. Uh, sorry, he had a terrible match play. He lost first round, but he did make the final of the Grand Slam and the final of the Masters. Uh, quarterfinal of the World Series of Darts Finals, quarterfinalist in the World Cup with Michael Smith, uh, and a quarterfinal at the UK Open as well as a fourth round of the PNP World Championship. Probably not a bad point, that from Graham. If he was definitely in, he'd be in the evening session. <laughs> An evening session of what? This? This, yeah. Not today. Not a not, chance, mate. Not, he was headline act in his own right in that session. and that, Yeah, oh, not that. with what he was up against. Correct. You have to take that into account. You have to take lots of things into account when you look at those sessions, although they definitely didn't with the New Zealanders the other week. But we move uh, to Rob Cross's post-match press conference because we have a clip of that one for you right here, right now. I think it's what champions do. I think when you need it the most and, and you've got to bend down, you've got to scrape the barrel, um, especially to win this tournament, you've got to scrape that barrel and if you pick nothing up, you're going home, you know. So I picked that up. I don't want that game at three I'm not lying. The dear, look, crowd gets involved, other stuff, keep them off your back. They've, they've been brilliant since like playing the two games, but um, for me, just, just keep them off my back and, and do what I need to do. Everyone loves an under underdog story and um, if I can keep the underdog story I'll probably go in next games now and I'll be the underdog you know on that underdog story the year that you've had what you've produced surely you can't be playing the underdog anymore the fact that you've won here before as well I know that we spoke in the build up to this you spoke about being here having done it and the fact that you're now into round four producing again a ton top and average you're going to be well and truly above that radar now I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying the game in itself I love Love the battle. That's, that's pretty much that last set come from that. Everything built up for that, you know, and and the emotion, um, the throw, everything changed. As soon as I found that first start, most 180s of it in a set, I think ever really. But um, I, I suppose, yeah, the year, the year what I've had, I've had a brilliant year. I've I've been getting better. I've been improving. Um, but look, I'm st still gonna play people. Maybe the same ability, maybe better or whatever. So I've got to play it down somewhere and. As long as I get up there and do what I'm doing, it'll be it'll be a great game, no matter what the next one. I love the mentality of dark players that want to be underdogs. Yeah, like, no, I don't... no one ever wants to be favourite anymore, and I absolutely love it. No, no, they're better than me. No, no, I'll do this. Is that... Except for Michael Van Gogh. And then the same players will get the ump three months later because you're not talking about them as a yeah. favourite for a tournament or not getting the respect that other players are getting because you don't want to be talked yeah, up as a player. Been asking for a, being an been asking for us not to pick you for the entire year and then we roll up at the big one and you go and ah, no one's talking about me. Pretty much. Uh, talking of underdogs, pretty much everybody that this young man plays for the rest of the tournament, barring a, a handful of players, are certainly going to put themselves in that position because, my, my, this kid is special. 16-year-old on debut, Luke Littler, a 4-1 victor over Matt Campbell-Camp. Mightily, mightily impressive. 
from Luke Danuk, who at this time is probably having his third kebab of the tournament. Well-deserved kebab as well at that, <laughs> um, because he just never let Matt Campbell get in the game, did he? Like, just from the off, he was right on it. First leg, took took out 40, I think it was, on first start, and you just thought, after was it after Campbell missed two for the, the first leg as well? And then he, he took out 40 first start, and you just thought, just utterly nerveless, despite looking on his walk-on when he first got up there, like he was feeling it a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just a, a really good performance again, and a couple of big checkouts, which we've not really seen from him up until this point in the tournament either, but just proving to everyone that he's got the full range as well as being solid on the outer ring. He can also ping in the big ones as well when he when he needs them. Um, yeah, I mean, look... Yeah. Certain people, well, those are on commentary, was trying to pick holes, not pick holes, but like, oh, I don't want this to just be a, a, a throw praise at the young man session. Then goes, oh, he hasn't taken out many ton plus checkers. And then he fires in a 167 later in the game just to prove that he can do it. I and a 130 really about turned, a leg after does have said it as well. I think this game really turned, though, in the third set. Luke trailing 2 0. Matt Campbell quick out of the blocks after that first televised break. Um, Luke responding, winning three legs on the spin. Don't get me wrong, Campbell had chances in those legs, but that's the pressure of playing a young man who has all of Alexander Palace on his side, all of the talent in the world to just turn a game on its head whenever he needs it. And I think that was the moment where the game was done. Don't get me wrong, Campbell then does respond and take that fourth set. Luke started to lag just a little bit but he comes straight back out of the blocks after that second TV break, gets the job done uh, in four legs to win the fifth set and book his spot in the last 16. Yeah, that, that was the big moment. That, that Those darts for 3-0 for um, in the third set. If it's 2-2 after four sets, then it's, it's a very different game at that point, isn't it? And then you really see whether he's got it under pressure or not. Um, well, I mean, we've seen he's got it under pressure when Gian Van Veen's absolutely going to oh, tell yeah. him in the world you final after he leaves. He's, and then a, he's slightly different. Though, but... <laughs> I get this is a different animal in the full world championship rather than a youth world championship. But in that moment, it would definitely feel the same to a player. He certainly got it when players come back at him. Um, it was it was the bit where the 22 in that leg where Campbell had missed the few opportunities at that point. And... He, there was never a doubt in his mind. He walked straight up there and split it. Went, hit the two and pinged the, the double ten and then just moved on. <laughs> I mean, the other question, that I guess, that Luke's almost answered tonight is, pre-tournament it was, he's got all the talent in the world, but all he's used to is short format games. right? The most he's really played is, is a race to six. He played a couple of, of best of tens, I think. Uh, first attends at the UK Open, winning one and losing one. Um, but other than that, it's been first to sixes. Super Series is, is best of sevens. JDC has been pretty short format throughout that. Even when he goes and represents England, they've been one-leg shootouts and, and WDF tournaments aren't known for being massively long because they play one a day and, and that sort of thing. But actually to do that over five sets and average 98 like he has, 97 in the end, and then in the final set to win legs in 16, 11 and 12, show that actually it doesn't matter. He will stand there all day and he will stay at the same level. 
Yeah, and that's it. I mean, 20 legs up there tonight. I know it's still not the longest of, of games that we'll see. Like I say, we've, seen, we've seen, seen longer up there today, but it's still it's still a lot of legs and to, to sort of keep it up there for that time and sort of respond as well where he did look to fall off a little bit as he got into that longer pace. Like that second set was was magic, 113 average or whatever it was and then dipped off a little bit but then to come back, it showed that he's got it and he can sustain it and okay, it's, it's only going to get longer as it goes on if he keeps going in this tournament but also he's, he's 16. I mean, that's, you can just play all day at 16 to be fair. I was playing about three rounds of golf in a day at 16. <laughs> I certainly wasn't. Uh, let's have a quick look. Nathan Rafferty will be keeping a close eye on this one, won't he? Right now. What are we on here? Sorry. Nathan Rafferty. Is he about to... Is Rafferty... Am I right in thinking Rafferty's about to lose his tour card? Just ranked having... 69th. Uh, yeah. As a tour card race. Not in light green, so not yet. Rafferty about to lose his tour card, ranked 69th. We'll be keeping a keen eye on this one. Luke's ranking as it stands, £37,500, uh, puts him to 88th in the world, which will obviously go... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The end of this tournament, should he not make it into the top 64? If he's to win yeah. his next round match, uh, which will be against either Jim Williams or Raymond Van Barneveld, uh, he would move up to 52,500 pounds, which would jump him up to uh, second in the world. A run to the semi final, which would mean being likely Gary Anderson or Gerwin Price over nine sets. Yeah. Would put him to £102,000 and into the top two. Very much. Save Nathan Rafferty's tour card. Yeah. He's got another fan, hasn't he? (laughs) That's it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Not that anybody would like to see him on £100,000 in the order of merit before he's even picked up a dart in his two-year tour card race. That would be, well, it'd be one year after that, wouldn't it? But certainly yeah. be a nice little platform to start with, with basically a, a two-year chuck at it. Uh, so that answers your question. Daz, can Luke get a tour card of order of merit and pass a dev tour card down if he can beat Price Anderson? Probably, yes. Do yeah. you think Luke upset Barney or Jim Williams? 
I actually think he's got more chance of beating Barney than he has Jim right now. I, I think Jim is the sort of player that just won't be phased by it, won't get drawn into it, and is probably playing the better darts of the two. I thought he was playing better darts than Peter Wright, and I think he's playing better darts than, than Raymond van Barneveld right now. If anybody's going to draw this to an early conclusion rather than a, a Gary Anderson or a or a girl in price. I think Jim Williams is the man. If, if Barney manages to put his all into beating Jim, two-day turnaround on that. Might even be one-day turnaround on that one for Barney because he plays tomorrow? Mm. No. No, he plays Friday. One-day turnaround. Friday? A very short turnaround for Barney on that one. will exert a lot yeah. of energy to then take on a youngster who is fresh on a three-day break. That could be very, very interesting indeed. Um, also, it could be different if Clay McKenzie's talk, I didn't like I said, would do for next season. It still wouldn't affect it massively in too many places to jump up. Uh, Matthew also asked, does Luke need to get to the final to be in the Premier League? I'm very, very weary of this. I think semi-final. I think if he beats one of... Gary or Gezi up there and gets a semi final. there makes a semi. The PDC I, I think... have a decision to make and there's a conversation to be had. At that point, it's uh, is he ready? Is he too young? Will there be a long lasting irreversible damage if the 16 weeks goes absolutely dreadfully for him? Not sure it will. Not sure he's that sort of character at all. No. But you think Luke Humphreys has only just been deemed ready to go. Last year, Luke Humphreys was not ready for the Premier League. Yeah. Luke Humphreys is uh, one of the most prolific Dev Tour winners you've ever seen. Has won three major titles this year. All right, he hadn't up until that point, but have been to multiple major finals, been on the tour a number of years, was producing ridiculous averages, and was inside well, the top eight, top 16 when he was rejected from that Premier League. But he, did, right? he didn't do it at 16, and he wasn't the new Fallon. He wasn't the new Van Gogh. That's how highly Luke Littler is rated right now at 16 no, years I mean, old. In terms but there of is still that duty of... Oh God, lightning. There is still that duty of care and the fact that for one season of short-term game in a stale format of Premier League, they could do long-term harm to Luke Littler's career, which would harm themselves as well because yeah. he's going to be a star for the next 20 years if managed correctly. 30 years, 40 years, potentially. Yeah. He's um, 60. Like this player, he's, he's a long, long way off. Yeah. So, if he makes the semi-finals, I think they have to have a conversation. If he makes the final, I think they have to put him in. Because if you're making the world final on debut, you are it's sort of if you're good enough, you're old enough as a yeah. footballer to, to go into that. If he goes up and makes the world championship final on debut as a 16-year-old, they're pretty much... There's no conversation we had. If you can go that far, that deep, you are ready. It's the same as getting a talker, right? You are yeah. developed at that point. This kid is is ready to go. It's just how do you manage him over the next couple of years? And there would certainly be calls for him to be in there. Sky in particular. No, it, look, he's put 50,000 followers across all social media platforms on in two rounds up until this point. And he's just gone up there one again and asked the crowd if he should go and get another kebab. Like, he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. They're going to be clamouring for him. And actually, I think he's handled the media really well. The first couple of times we spoke to him, we've had him on the live lounge a couple of times, uh, whether that be from home as a, as a video link or even in person. 
uh, at the Live Lounge Live a couple of weeks ago. You can see the development of his interviewing and how much more relaxed he is. And actually, it's just a conversation now. And he's getting very, very good at that side too, which is something he's going to have to handle for the next number of years for sure. Right, let's stop, ram not rambling, but chatting on. Uh, we do have a Luke Little clip to play for you. It is a short one. And this is him in his post-match press conference. That's obviously after when I won my first game and my second game, it was just I've got nothing to lose for myself now. I've overachieved again, but now I can just settle. Just, if, if, Ray, if Raymond does beat Jim Williams, it'll be unbelievable to play him and then win or lose against either of them. I'm still happy coming out of the world of the last 16, but I'd love to go a few more games in. It is that thing at this point, and he's, he's openly said it himself a lot of times already. Like, this is a free ride because he's got 30, 40 more appearances at this tournament to come. It does not matter whether he wins or doesn't win. And I think that's helping him massively in terms of how he is holding it together. And he genuinely looks like he's really enjoying it up there. Like, look, in between every set as he's walking back to his table, he's like dancing along to the music as they go into the break. He just, he looks like well, he's really that maturity as well, isn't it? He wins the second set and he starts telling his parents to calm down and that he's got yeah. it. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be jumping about for joy. But he's just hes just got such a major hand. I mean, he's won so many titles at senior level in the WDF and through the JDC who have developed and managed him absolutely brilliantly, provided those opportunities, those practice media sessions and, and everything else that they do in that organisation. They've been absolutely superb. So props to, to Steve Brown and his team. Uh, but the kid's a star and you better get used to seeing him on your TV screens. Um Penultimate game oh, yeah. of the night, though, and after all the talk, even being look at one point, he was introduced on Sky as top billing of the session, right? Luke Littler, 16 years old, is top billing of a session that includes the reigning world number one and world champion and the three-time world champion, one of the most prolific title winners of all time in the PDC, and one of the top two players to ever pick up a dart, in most people's opinion. Michael Van Gerwen, MVG was clearly listening to that because he comes out and put a statement up. 4-0 win over Richard Veenstra, 101 average for Van Gerwen. But that's he took the last two sets off. Yeah, to to use your words that you've used multiple times throughout this tournament so far. Don't call this professional. No, it was better than it professional. Was, it was professional. No, it was absolutely professional. 101 average from Michael Van Gerwen is just professionally doing a job. Um, like you say, he did kind of take the last two sets off. It just seemed a little bit of a step too far for Vince up there tonight, as we kind of thought it would be. He's had a, a brilliant run in terms of he's one of few people ever to get a 9-0 up there and won, won back-to-back games 3-0 and, and sort of just wrote rolled his way through them and you're thinking if he plays really well he could maybe put it to him a little bit if Van Gogh is off but from the start Van Gogh was just not off he was at no point was he off and this was so comfortable that like I say he could afford to take the last couple of sets off and still win it comfortably is the worry for people that 
there is so much more. He, he made that look so easy today, didn't he? Like, that's the Van Gerwen of old. Apparently, he was there yesterday practicing. So, he's certainly taking this serious. This is his 17th World Championship appearance, by the way. At this point, Phil Taylor was already on about 12 world titles. So, he's got a long way to go to chase that record and, and keep staying in that conversation when it comes to world championships. Don't get me wrong, the things he's achieved elsewhere are absolutely magnificent. But he does want more world titles. He wants to be chasing that. He wants to at least get better than Barney, which means he's got three more to go. He's still got targets to chase. And actually, despite all of his dominance in this sport over a number of years, even in 2017, when we're saying he was at his peak, didn't win the world championships. Gary Anderson won the world championships. This is one that somehow so often has managed to elude him, despite being the figurehead in the sport for a large majority of those 17 attempts. Yeah, yeah, it has. And it does keep eluding him. And like I say, it's only won it three times out of, out of 16, which... They're wrong. Three-time world champion only makes it it's, sound bad. Three-time no, world champion is something no, that makes it absolutely... Everybody would snap your hand off for it. If you walk away from your career three times, 100% you'll take it. But a player of Michael's ambition, calibre and quality will want more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he... Let's be honest, he, he should have more. With how good he has been, he has been the best player in darts for a very, very long time now. And he should have more than more than three world titles. And maybe he'd have had one more if he didn't get COVID that year. But again, we, with the fact that he doesn't win it that often up here, when he does dominate the rest of the proceedings, then maybe he wouldn't have done it that year either. But it, the, the thing is, I don't think this sort of game helps him. As much as it was professional and it was a comfortable win and he looked good up there in that second set. Well, it's better than good. He was incredible in that second set. But um, it's, I don't think this helps him. It's not... like It's easy to to look comfortable, especially for someone like Michael, who's, whose B game is 101 average yeah. against against an 86 average where nothing's coming back at you and you know for a fact you are not in bother at any point here. It'll be different when the pressure's on and when he has to step it up and when he's up against someone that, that does fire back at him. I think getting through so easily, no sort of a battle, no sort of a challenge doesn't always help. No, it doesn't. And I guess that where he has shown issues this year is when he has been under pressure... Uh, he said that he wants to play players that are in form. Yeah. And that that's most likely going to be Stephen Bunting in the next round. The bullet takes on Florian Hempel. That's right not going to Would you any really means. want to play Stephen Bunting after that first round performance? Despite how good Van Gerwen's been in, in the two rounds so far, surely well, we, I'll take a Hempel averaging 92, then Bunting averaging nearly a ton. Yeah, we've talked we've talked about this before, and I think you've been a little bit harsh on Bunting there. I think Bunting probably averages more than more than nearly a ton. To be fair, it'll probably be about 105 again the way he's playing. Um, but but yeah, it's we we've, we've discussed this and said, what would you rather? Do you want someone to play the best when they come up against you? Or do you want them to play pants? And I'll take them playing absolutely pants every time. Give yourself the best chance of winning. There is absolutely nothing else written on the trophy apart from your name at the end of it. I don't care who I be. I don't care how I got there. Peter Wright constantly going on about the fact his first UK Open felt hollow because Van Gerwen wasn't there. Yeah, doesn't matter. There is only Peter Wright that that bothers 
yeah. everyone else just looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, Peter Wright won that year. Yeah, 100%. Even the snow year, people remember. There was no crowd there. There was nobody. Dave Pallet was in a semi-final, for Christ's sake. Bob yeah. Owen was there, but nobody cares. Gary won no. it. That is all that matters. Um, Sean says, do you think MVG was better of XQ match or has that nothing to do with it? I certainly think there was a drop-off when he changed equipment. There was a mental block about moving away from that set of darts he'd had for so long. I just think in that time, people have realised that, A, he is human. He's not a machine. There is that air of invincibility gone away, but I think that's because the standard of other players has got so much better and other players learned to, to beat Van Gerwen and to not fear Van Gerwen. I also think... He, there's a bit more of a technical change rather than just the darts. If you go back and watch Van Gerwen of old, you can see the dart pointing down more before the throw and you can analyse it that way. So I think there's been a technical change, whether that was deliberate or not, whether that's the, the hunching over or just a natural evolution of his throw. I think it's a culmination of all of those factors. Uh, let's hear from the Green Machine after his win over Richard Feenstra. Okay, yeah, of course. Uh, I, you have to play well if you want to beat him. Whoever comes on your path, you're not allowed to make any mistakes against anyone. Wherever they come from, if they're German, English, I don't care. I have to smash them. Yes and no. I think if you look like the talent-wise and the work, I think I'm slightly better, but the way how... <laughs> He doesn't care whoever he plays, and that's why I admire him. He's a big talent player, and I, me and Vince spoke about him. He's got one little thing in the stroke on the end, why I don't really fancy. But for the rest, he can win a lot of tournaments in the future of dance, 100%. Notice how he didn't say this one, though, because Michael firmly has his eyes on Michael yeah. Smith. Uh, I was going to say, this is the, um, it was going to be a nice little segue if we didn't have Michael's clip from asking about equipment going into the Michael Smith game, to be fair, because I think he's struggling with the change of equipment as well. And despite the fact that he's won 4-1 tonight, he cannot follow a dart the same as he used to be able to with his old darts. Again, I, I don't know where I sit with this one. He clearly looked to be a different player this time last year. He was comfortable with equipment. The thing is, when he first changed, he looked brilliant with these. I'm not sure what's going on with him. But I think the bigger concern tonight is that the headstrong, mentally prepared Michael Smith wasn't there tonight. And that was the biggest compliment people were paying him last year. That was the reason why I and others were saying he could go on and, and break that duck of a major title and, and then go on and win the World Championships in the way that he did. Because mentally, he looked a completely different player, a completely different bloke. He was so ready to go and, and just had such a stronger resolve to deal with the heartbreak or things not quite going his way. He, he was set. He was ready. He was ready to be a world champion, right? That, absolutely. Yeah, he was. He no, was, he, absolutely. He wasn't. That that was he, the Michael Smith of old. A player of Smith's experience, calibre, as the reigning world champion, should have been prepared for what Manus Rasmus was going to throw at him tonight. Whether that was the pace, slowing it down, changing it about. Look, we know it's frustrating. We know it's difficult to play against. But it just felt like the petulance of Michael Smith was back a little bit tonight. We saw him reacting behind the hockey. Uh, we're going to hear in his post-match press conference. Um, again, a bit more about 
playing against somebody who plays at that speed for Marcus Smith, but I'm not going to I don't enjoy watching games like that. I never have done. No. I certainly don't enjoy playing against them, but I'm 28 years old and struggle to put a decent Super League average in. I'm not the reigning world number one world champion. I don't, well, I do have to learn to do these things, but not in the same manner, right? It doesn't affect my livelihood. It just affects how miserable I am after another vodka. Yeah, exactly that. And I just think, yeah, he did look like he's getting a little bit frustrated with it. But, I mean, come on. They've both been around for a long time now. Maddows did nothing different today than he does every single match that he plays. Like, And it's not even so much that he, like, he's not deliberately slowing it down. He's like, he's just away with the furries half the time. And then, like, he's at the back, like, messing with his water bottle. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm throwing now. And he goes up. And he always takes his time to set himself and get himself ready. He just... That's what he always does. And, yeah, he was getting a bit frustrated with it. But I just think the bigger issue is that first art is still perfect a lot of the time, and it was a lot tonight. But when it is, he doesn't seem to be able to get three in there as often and as regular as he used to be able to, even when he hits the second one and it's perfect again for it. And like uh, I think Sean's mentioned, uh, they do look a little bit thicker than arts as well, the barrels. I don't know whether that's just because of all the grip on them or whether it just looks... They just look visually slightly thicker um obviously clearly very different points in there the weird points you got in there that look like they've got drill bits in them um and then yeah it just doesn't seem to just go in exact quite the same as the old ones used to and when you've been using set of dots for that long and we all know why it changed obviously we were having this discussion in in the chat earlier and i was asking how much the difference was for him to, to move over because was it worth it? Because he, he just doesn't look the same player he did with those darts. And yes, there's a drop-off in form. Yes, there's probably a drop-off in focus because he has now achieved it, which is hard to get yourself up again to do it again once you've achieved everything you've been waiting for for so long. But he, when he, he still looks to be throwing them well. And even when he's throwing them well, he's not getting three in there now. And the, the last one's deflecting just below every time rather than actually following it in. I guess the other thing is, you touched on it there before we even talk about equipment, is getting yourself up for it. He's another player who said that it feels a bit different the day after winning. It doesn't quite feel how you expect it to feel. Then you're bombarded with media an awful lot. He barely had a day off between winning the World Championship and the end of the Premier League because he was either doing a midweek exhibition that people are clamouring to see the World Champion or he's doing some sort of media request. He's there a day early or he's here, there and everywhere. And that may have taken its toll him at the start of the season. Effective again at the start, as we saw from Peter Wright when he wins the Masters to back up his World Championship. But the rest of the year has been pretty barren. And, and Marco Smith seems to be somebody else in that position. However... He's into the next round. Was it the most impressive? No. Are his potential opponents in the next round going to allow him to play at a much more comfortable pace? 100%. Chris Dobie yeah. or Ross Smith away, and they're all just going to get on with it. And that should allow Michael Smith to flourish and, and play his game. Look, I don't think we've learned an awful lot about this one against Michael Smith, uh, against Maddox Rasma from Smith. Yes, he can battle through. Yes, Rasma's dropped off an awful lot awkward, slowed the game down, Smith's had to battle through, but I think he would have had to play very badly to lose this one. Winning the third set was was crucial for him, but I think he won that one 3-1 in the end anyway. Um, 
it's just job done from Marquis Smith. We'll learn more when he can play at a better pace. Because actually, if you look at potential opponents for his running from here, they're all going to allow him to do that. Rob Cross is probably the slowest one. You've got Clayton or Ratajski if they come through that one, Doby or, or Ross Smith. Cross is generally pretty rapid for the most part, though. It's only occasionally on at the end of a leg that he tends to slow it down. When he actually gets up there and just throws his three darts for the rest of the leg, he's pretty rapid as well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, at that point, but, I just think everybody else left in the tournament is going to allow him to play at his pace. Evans or Gurney, Cullen or Searle, Humphreys or Petrezco, Hetter, Vampir. Do we see Vampir going all the way to, to upset no. him in a final? Probably not. Scott Williams gets on with it. Van Gerwen, Hempel or Bunting. Hempel's probably the slowest one of them lot. But everybody else seems to get on with it. Kirchmar, Anderson. Dolan might slow Price down, but is Dolan going to go all the way to disrupt the Michael Smith run? I doubt it. Jim Williams gets on with it. Barney gets on with it. Littler gets on with it. There's a theme here that the players that play at a rhythm and a pace are going deeper. And yeah. That's going to allow others that do the same to flourish. Yeah, it is. And point on Rasma, just before we move on. He's got such potential. But we just seem to see it every time. That, especially when it comes to the bigger events, he'll have one reasonable game, and then he'll have a game like this where it. And it, it's part. I assume it is partly down to the rhythm and the way he throws and plays. He takes his time, or he's wandering off for a minute, and then he's back to make his throw. Or he just doesn't seem to be able to back it up and do it again. And I mean. He's coming as a seeded player, so he's, he's he's doing plenty right. But will he ever make that step to being a top player? Do you think? I don't know. I, I certainly think there's a a bit of a mental block there for Rasmo in believing just how good he is. And again, when it seems to go badly for him, he does tend to mix the pace up. He is one of those players that can play at, at two paces, and that seems to come out more often than not when he's perceived to be struggling or or up against it. But actually, I think that throws him off just as much as it throws his yeah. opponent off. He is a player who plays much better when he's in a rhythm and chucking in trouble 19s for fun. Right, let's hear from bully boy Michael Smith in his post-match press conference before we look ahead to tomorrow. We're going to race through predictions for tomorrow, considering we've already been talking for an hour. Um, the last 20 minutes in the practice room, I actually watched him and timed him. And if he stuck to that, he would have played a lot better. He just, he threw a dart, stand back, he threw another, stand back. And I should have got used to it, but he was trying to speed up the slow. And I think that's what didn't help him either. He just tried to think about putting me off, I guess. But lessons learned, I learned my lesson, and he's learned his as well now. Yeah, a couple of times. It wasn't, I wasn't looking at me watch to get off stage. It was just, because I knew that I timed him. And I was like, you've gone over what I've timed. You've, done, you've gone faster than what I've timed. Now you've gone over again and it's one of them I like this is why I always said to you I like to play Michael I like to play Gez Gary and everyone like that it's just get on with the game and that's that was uh, Rasmus' biggest downfall and he thought about too much of my pace I think and it didn't serve him well in the end that I think I think that was Michael's biggest downfall there to be honest why is he stood timing him in the practice room thinking how long it's going to be just He's clearly overthinking the pace at that point, which is why we saw him then getting petulant and 
being like he was about it when he was up on the stage. Like, just focus on your own game. Correct. 100%. Right, let's look ahead to tomorrow's six games to score predict. Cam and I are just going to race through these. Like I said, we have already been talking for an hour. Do get involved in the chat room amongst yourselves, but we're probably not going to read any out just so we can all get to bed at a reasonable hour. We can get this out as an audio only for those that listen back the following day. We appreciate all of you guys as well. By the way, we never forget you. Uh, but we start tomorrow afternoon uh, with Florian Hempel against Stephen Bunting. Three Germans made it through to the last 32 of the PDT Paddy Power World Darts Championship Cam. We've already lost two. Do we lose the third? Yes, I think so. I think Stephen Bunting is just playing too well, and I think he wins 4-2. I think Hempel gives a good showing, but Bunting wins. Uh, I also think Bunting wins, but I think 4-1. If we see a Bunting that is anywhere like the level we saw in round two, or seen on TV for the last couple of months, actually. I think he just absolutely blows Hempel away. Don't get me wrong. Hempel was magnificent in that comeback win against Dimitri Vandenberg. Uh, but I think Bunting's a different animal right now, and I'm going to back the bullet. Let's go Bunting mental uh, all the way as far as he possibly can. I'm going 4-1 in that one. Uh, next up, what a game this could be, by the way. 180s all around. Uh Bangers, I would say bangers of walk-ons because Ryan Sells is a bit heavy for my liking. Uh, but heavy metal does take on Joe Cullen in the middle of the afternoon session. Yeah, this session's mint, isn't it? By the way, um, <laughs> it's, it's probably the best we've had so far. Um, I think this is a really, really good game, and it's literally a toss of a coin. This, I just think that Ryan Searle's been a little bit more consistent and I think he nicks it 4-3. It could literally come down to who wins the ball. This. I was sort of swaying then and I was thinking the same, but I'm conscious how often me and you have had the same prediction and how often you've therefore been right. So I'm going to try something different and say that Cullen wins this one <laughs> and say he wins it 4 Two. I think if Colin wins it, he has to win it by a margin. I think if it goes yeah. tight, Searle's the one in those key moments at the moment that I'm just going to back that a little bit more. That tops is just at the end of his fingertips where he needs it. And um, we close out the afternoon session with a maximum marathon. Uh, Ross Smith takes on Chris Doby. Uh, this could just be electric camp. Yeah, the um, the under over on the one eight in this is probably about under over forty five. Um, it's kind of another one that's that's really really good. This one, bookies can't split them. It's ten to eleven for either of them, and it, it's got to go deep again. Surely, I think I think it's a four three, and I like Ross Smith just to get it done. I do, but I was mightily impressed with Chris Dobie round one, round yeah. two. I'm going to say Dobie shades this. I think it's a seven-setter as well, but I'm going to say uh, the man from Bedlington uh, wins this one for three. What session that is going to be, by the way. Three games in there. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's never a bull-off in the deciding leg. Sean, that's one in the practice room. Uh, that is an old, old game. Uh, nobody wants to see that on stage anymore, apparently. Oh, yes, you do. We just don't get to because the bookmakers need longer to decide. Uh, into the evening session, and it starts with the former world champion going Price, the Iceman, 
uh, taking on Brendan Dolan. Get the chopper out. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Trying to get this cancelled. Um, right. Um, yeah, I don't... I just... I like Brendan Dolan and I would like to pick him here, but I don't think someone that just scrapes past Michael Mansell can beat Yezzy Price on this stage. I just A very good Mickey Mansell, by the way. Let's not just completely shrug that win off. That was no. an exceptional game. No, but it's it's a different level to playing Gezi, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um well, this depends if Gezi's decided he's going to come back or not after Christmas. He wasn't sure who was going to go in the first place, if anybody believes that, as his nose gets longer and longer. Um, but no, I think I just think Gezi will be too good here. I think he wins 4-2. I too think Gezi will win too. Exactly the same scoreline, unfortunately. You've got to stop uh, nabbing my pick. But but starting to know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and if you want to hear another opinion on Gerwin Price's interview saying he wasn't going to turn up to LA Times Pass, in the last couple of days. Uh, penultimate game of the day, uh, the pre-tournament favourite, Luke Humphreys, one of three of the last four major titles, takes on Ricardo Petrescu, who has quietly gone about his business, you know, after much talk uh, pre-tournament about how he was going to handle the crowd reaction and playing against Mikuro Suzuki, uh, he has done the business to reach this point so far. Yeah. And if Luke Humphreys plays like he did against Lee Evans, he loses this game. He has got to step it up because Ricardo is that good. They've had a couple of very close games in the past on the on the pro tour or or euro tours as well but luke has always come out on top and i think that happens again but i think he gets pushed very very close now having another four three it's going to be a late one tomorrow <laughs> it is indeed uh, at that pace um that early Luke Humphreys performance was sort of why I wanted him to lose at Minehead. Just to, to get the dud out of the way, come back and refocus, carrying the pressure of winning three of the last four, pre-tournament favourite. If he'd come into this tournament as a second favourite and they'd shaded it Van Gerwen, I think he approached that game differently. Well, he, he was, was so he to be an underdog like everyone else. But he was so desperate to put a marker down and show that he belongs at that top moniker. I think he's that cliche of trying too hard. And I think that's sort that's of what, sort of what Lucas has done in that opener against Lee Evans. Uh, if it wasn't for some untimely finishing from Evans, that could have been a completely different story. I think he gets it right against Ricardo, though. He, he has to. I think he's just had that good a year. If he finds that first start, it can absolutely blow Petrescu away. Uh, so I'm going to say he wins this one. I'm going to say he wins it 4-1. I think we see a standout performance from Luke. This is the one we've been waiting for. I'm really tempted to change my mind. If you're doing it, do it quickly, because if not, we're going to predict the final game. I'm having an upset. I'm having Ricardo 4-3. Silly boy. Uh, on to the final game and stable mates. Not for long, by the way. As Daryl Gurney's impending departure from MDA promotions uh, could happen 
in this event, by the way, uh, in this match, because yep. he takes on Ricky Evans, who was so impressive in that victory over Nathan Aspinall, the last game before Christmas. He's back again, the last game of an evening session. Uh, he was brilliant um, in that win. Can he do it again against this Super Chin 2.0? It's going to be a tough one, isn't it? Like, it's going to be very tough. He didn't play the best of Nathan Aspinall, but Ricky played really, really well. And I think he's close. It's it's just it's such a similar game for him playing Gurney as it is playing Nathan. It's a similar pace. It's not it's not too quick, but it doesn't let Ricky get even too quick and sort of rushing up to the hockey before he's ready. We know he's always going to let the darts go quick, but it just keeps him sort of calm, keeps him level. And I think it helps him. And I think he wins 4-1. I think I have to go Gurney with this one. I love Ricky. I think he's a fantastic dart player and a fantastic character, but history suggests he's going to chuck one in at some point. Until he shakes that, until we constantly see him going deeper and deeper in these tournaments, if he gets that preparation slightly wrong, this could be over pretty quickly with just how relentless Daryl Gurney has been of late. Um, and I think Super Chim, I think Super Chim wins this one 4 2. 4 2. Okay. And with that, we do have. Uh, a wrap of a show, an extra long one tonight. We do apologise to all of you that have stuck with it, but the Paddy Power World Darts Championship is back, and with it, the Fallout Bar was here with a bang. A big, massive thank you to Paddy Power for all of their continued support throughout this tournament. Those guys are absolutely amazing. They are the title sponsors of the World Darts Championship. If you are having a flutter, make sure you do it with Paddy Power for the best offers, promotions, uh, but... 18 plus be gambleaware.org, of course. Uh, big thank you to Phil, who's at Alexandra Palace throughout this entire tournament, uh, getting us all of the post match interviews from all of the winners throughout the tournament. Uh, to everybody in the chat room, you guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you for sticking with us. Apologies for not reading out your predictions this evening. I hope you appreciate time made it so. Uh, we'll get back to normal throughout the rest of the week. And thanks to Cam for joining me once more. On the fallout bar, it won't be me tomorrow night. It will be Mr. Lee Boyce in the hot seat, I believe, with a very special guest tomorrow evening as well. But I'll let him let you all know about that one tomorrow. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you all very, very soon. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.